my friend says caffeine's a drug. I said, oh, tell your friend, fuck you. I want to be a buddy with Just want a little breakfast. Hello and welcome to Breakfast Punks, a podcast about weird shit and DIY punk. From Hastings, I'm Dave. And I'm Siobhan and this is episode 61, which we're calling So Long and Thanks for All the Selfies. Uh, If that doesn't make it clear, that is because currently it's not entirely clear to us. And we will all find out together as we travel... (laughs) <laughs> this long and winding road of podcasting. If you listen to our Patreon episodes, where sometimes it's a bit of a psycho babble, that's a term that we've uh, coined for when we just, I don't know, talk and talk and see where it ends up. It's going to be a that bit like that. That is what podcasting is. There you go. That's I what would we've say. Learned. I mean, 61 if, episodes, that's what we've learned. If you want a vague idea, it's about the self. It's about narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> it's about being obsessed with oneself. Gosh, it's going to be a goodie. It's uh, going to be a goodie. But it should be a lot of fun. A lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. But we're going to start off with a song. This is by a band called Queer. Actually, it's a man called Queer. Queer? C-U-I-R in French. I don't think it's Cure, because that would be like the Cure. Yeah, but um, I would have... Yeah, we're going to have even more fun with the song title, which is called possibly Flood de Luz, but it's definitely not that. Flou it's Flou de Luz. Flou de Luz. Queer are from France. It's a one-person outfit, and it's from his new EP, which is out now on cassette and 7-inch. So this is possibly queer, with possibly flu de luce. up as a baby in attempt to smuggle drugs into resort this is lovely and there's a lovely picture a lovely picture to go along with it the police detained a woman for dressing her cat up like a baby to stash drugs in its clothes i'm assuming because she didn't have a baby to hand she used her cat well but surely you didn't need to drip the important thing is the drugs yeah not the dressing up as a baby well but that? she needed a decoy she needed like a yeah a decoy to look like she wasn't just carrying a bag of drugs so she stashed it in the clothes of <laughs> she didn't have a baby so she dressed up her cat <laughs> but my point being that if she had been carrying a cat no one would have thought well that cat's drugs 
any more than if you were carrying a baby, you would think that baby's drugs. Why dress the cat as the baby? Bit of fun. A bit of fun. I don't know. (laughs) Retrieving the pet, officers found several small packages containing more than 170 grams of powdered methylephedrine, a stimulant that can be used in the manufacture of other narcotics. In a further bizarre turn, authorities found the cat was wearing a full baby's wardrobe, including a hat, a baby grow, tiny baby boots and a nappy. (laughs) And I just love the dedication to the cause. Um, I like that they've pointed out that local reports do not suggest what it was that first alerted the police to the woman i imagine because she was crazy dressing a cat up like a baby and walking it around an airport a the cat would have hated having those boots put on it oh, as yeah. far as i'm aware of cats maybe it's just us <laughs> uh, but um they do not like having things on their feet but also what would happen if we tried to do that with our cat oh my goodness there's no way anyone would ever think it was a baby because it would immediately just start going yeah, exactly it would just be crying and crying there is a picture of the cat looking particularly grumpy dressed as a baby i'll try and put it on instagram because it is a beautiful thing to uh, see the, for the record the cat does not look like a baby the cat looks like <laughs> a cat with a bonnet on <laughs> yes well a man from india Mm-hmm. who was urinating on train tracks, is struck and killed by flying cow that's been hit by a train. What? <laughs> uh, that is the entire story, so I, this can be brief as well. I really like this. Uh, oh, no, that's horrible. A man relieving himself on some train tracks was struck and killed by a cow that was launched onto him after it was hit by a train oh, further up the tracks. Oh, my God. Shivdale Sharma, a man believed to be a retired electrician. I don't know why they felt the need to say that. Maybe because he should have... Because I think that what you're supposed to think when you start reading the uh, headline is, is a stupid man, man. man urinating on train tracks is obviously yeah. a, you know electrocuted. But no. No, hit, he's an electrician. He knew. He hit, knew the risks. Hit by cow. He, he obviously missed the uh, the electrical parts of the rail, I guess. Uh, he was <laughs> u- urinating on the tracks in Alwar in India when he was hit by a cow after it had been hit by a Vanda Barat train. I, An <laughs> autopsy has since confirmed the electrician's identity and his actions at the time of his death, which happened when a... Cl- <laughs> when a cow flew 30 metres <laughs> and landed on him. There's a picture of a sad cow. I oh, assume that the picture the of the sad cow is not the said cow. No, I think said was, cow um, is now mashed. Sent through the air. Oh, dear. It's just, I, I love that I can just really vividly picture it. It's like a cartoon in my mind, and it's really quite fun. Such, I mean, actually, though, incredibly gory cartoon. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, like, really harsh. Pretty I mean, awful. I think a man getting hit by a cow, which has been catapulted into the air and sent thirty meters, so it must have been going at quite a clip. I mean, that would... cow's probably already a bit mashy. I mean, everything would have been mashed. It would just be like a mashy cow duvet that just swallowed him up and then turned him into mash too. Yeah, a meat explosion. <laughs> Indian train meat explosion. I'm going with that. That is a grindcore band, which I'm going to start now. <laughs> yes. Well, in other animal news, far more pleasant, UK Zoo are paying people to dress up as blow-up birds to scare off nuisance seagulls. <laughs> this is Blackpool Zoo. They're hiring a inverted Sorry, commas. Sorry, hold off. Blackpool's got a zoo? Apparently. Is it literally just it like Blackpool. it's someone's house and they've got a cat and a dog? <laughs> I think it is the town of Blackpool is now classed as a zoo. That's Sorry, rude. Blackpool, That's we rude. love you. I do actually love Blackpool. <laughs> um, They're hiring a inverted commas 
team of people, don't know why that's in inverted commas, um, to don inflatable bird costumes and scare off pesky seagulls after fed up guests were bothering by the nuisance birds stealing their food. There is a picture of what the <laughs> successful applicants will be expected to wear to scare off said seagulls. <laughs> it looks like and one of those sumo insane. suits that you blow up and run at each well, other. Well, it is. Fun. It is exactly that. It's a blow up suit. So you will be inserted into it, blown up and then dressed as a big scary other bird like nondescript I mean it's sort it like of, a totem pole sort bird. of looks like an eagle sort oh of. sort of but can <laughs> I just make one suggestion these people I don't know how well they're getting paid and that may affect this uh-huh. uh, but if they're just sort of like people that have got a day free to dress up as birds in sumo outfits yeah. they are definitely going to get pissed up and they are definitely going to have loads of sumo fights in those bird costumes I mean especially if there is a inverted commas team of people if there's not if there's more than one of you doing it this sounds like the best job hold off if there was just one of you doing it that would just be one person <laughs> in a blow up eagle outfit Running just up and chasing down. seagulls around Blackpool this sounds brilliant I think I might have seen that person before <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was employed no I think there's plenty of people unemployed doing this um, they're recruiting visitor focused inverted commas uh, people to join the team and successful applicants will need to be comfortable wearing a bird costume the said costume <laughs> being ridiculous is that the entire job description I think that is literally the job person description person specification <laughs> willing to dress as bird yeah full I think, stop I think that is literally Oh no, friendly, energetic, flexible. But friendly is not what you need to be. <laughs> You're scaring birds away. You've got to be unfriendly, surely. Exactly. Why do you need to be visitor focused? I mean, I if suppose you're just to, dealing to with humans, but you could argue yeah. that seagulls are visitors too. Exactly, and there are plenty of them. Um, and outgoing. I bet there's some outgoing types that are going to be applying to be in this bird suit. <laughs> And the nice thing is, I think, well, I say nice, you're working in the zoo. They apparently have a 32-acre zoo in Blackpool somewhere. Again, is that it Blackpool? Seems I don't know. incredibly unlikely. Um, so you get to run around, and I'm sure all the other animals will just be like, what the fuck is that weirdo doing Surely in that Surely somebody dressed, a full-size human being dressed as an eagle would also scare all lots of different animals. Maybe not like the lions. No. Although, I... again, I'm presuming Blackpool Zoo, I hope for the lion's sake that they don't have some sad lions sitting yeah, in the rain i can i can imagine they you know but imagine what the sort of cockatoos make of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah how do you specifically only scare the seagulls it's impossible it's impossible i don't well it's a tough job they're not letting loose how tough that job actually is <laughs> just showing you the suit and saying come on in come on in i would do it i'm not actually joking i think i would like that job it does sound like a wonderful do- job so nice well, we're sort of three for three here on the animal stories, and actually there's two. These, these next two stories are both animal-related. Uh, free as a bird, runaway therapy emu named Rodney sparks five-hour rescue mission after jumping over a fence and running for a mile. Uh, a runaway therapy emu, let me just say that again, therapy emu. Runaway therapy emu is also another lovely name, <laughs> but it'd be for like a shoegaze... Indie band. Yeah, maybe. It might even be a ska punk band. No, true. Uh, <laughs> uh, he sparked a five-hour rescue mission after jumping over a fence and went for a run. Rodney is an 11-month-old emu, Aww. escaped from his home in Suffolk <gasps> in the middle of the night on Thursday and went out for an adventure on his own. The bird had managed to make it about a mile away from home before his owners located him. Rodney has temporarily been sent away to a neighbour's house while his owners address <laughs> their fears about the effectiveness of fencing. 
Jesus Christ. God. His How owner. the other weird amount of people live. <laughs> well, we're going to get onto therapy animals in a minute. <laughs> Rodney's owner, John Cardi, 54, was forced to cut short his first holiday since the pandemic oh. after the bird jumped the fence in his home in Chedborough. Now, I just want to say, if you're a therapy emu running away from the person that you're providing therapy for, you <laughs> probably don't really want to be giving them any therapy. No. And you are probably the one that needs the therapy. Yes. Oh, poor Rodney. But in further Ooh. therapy animal news, a woman going through luggage screening at Tampa Airport in Florida was stopped after security staff spotted a four-foot boa constrictor on an x-ray of her bag. She explained that the snake was named Bartholomew and was an emotional support reptile intending to help her cope with the stress of flying. Lovely, and increase the stress of everyone exactly. else's Exactly, this is my point. Oh my God. <laughs> so... It, we are going to be talking an awful lot about um, <laughs> about uh, selfishness mm-hmm. and uh, narcissism. Mm-hmm. And I would say there is nothing more narcissistic than thinking to yourself, I need to be helped on this flight by taking a four foot fucking yeah. boa constrictor on it. So my anxiety is going to be fine, but 200 or 300 or whatever other people yeah. on this plane are going to be scared there is, a, there is a very famous film made about this exact problem. <laughs> There's on. two, actually. There's also the Snakes two. on a Train. Oh, there you go. Which is the uh, Asylum Films knockoff <laughs> version. Um, yeah, it just baffles my mind. Uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, a therapy emu... See, it seems to me just to be trying to get attention. Not the emu, the person who got no, it. No, of course, of course. Uh, D- get what a guinea does pig. A th- what exactly? Get a guinea pig. What aspect of being an emu provides specific therapy for this person? <laughs> Any specific emu qualities? Who has now made his next door neighbour look after the emu for him while he deals with anxi- his anxiety about the fence that <laughs> the fucking thing jumped over? Please explain this to me. Get a cat, you get, fucking idiots. Get a cat or a get dog. Any animal. You don't deserve animals. Well, that as well. <laughs> but if you are going to horrify an animal with your anxiety, that animal is not should not be there. It should not be there. <laughs> oh, poor Rodney. I hope you have a better life with the neighbour. But yeah, the snake one just blew my fucking mind. That's insane. That's so. That's. I would say if you're anxious about flying to the point where you have to take a four foot boa constrictor with you, just fucking drive stay or at home. stay at home. <laughs> You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to travel. You don't if have you're to. too anxious to travel, don't fucking travel. <laughs> I'm, you know, like deal with your anxiety. That's fine. And I, I want you to be happy and everything else. Mm. But Jesus Christ, stay at home with the snake, Bartholomew. <laughs> Bartholomew, terrible snake name. Dead husband, inverted commas, speaks in court to defend wife accused of his murder, but through her. Oh, and this, Jesus this is perfection. <laughs> a woman who was charged with the murder of her husband claimed he was speaking through her in court to protest her innocence, telling the judge he was fated to die. <laughs> Sal Sekyan told the Seremban High Court in Malaysia that uh, she was speaking on behalf of her husband, who she was accused of stabbing. Channeling the spirit of her late partner, Lau said, I am Po Seng Hip, the deceased. I am the one speaking in court. My wife did not kill me. My wife did not do anything. (laughs) (laughs) The former independent politician then explained her dead husband was speaking through her and wanted to tell the court he was not murdered, but that his death was agal, meaning it was fate for him to die. After the bizarre proclamation, Judge Rahani Ishmael, who will hear the case, reminded Lau that the trial hadn't officially started yet (laughs) and that the defendant shouldn't be making any claims about what the charges are yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> but the accused was having none of it, protesting her innocence again, still claiming she was speaking on behalf of her husband. Poe Sang-hip was not murdered. It was Ajal. Poe Sang-hip is speaking, she continued. <laughs> you have to understand my wife did not kill me. I am Poe Sang-hip here. Why do you not listen to me? Why do you not listen to me that my wife did not kill me? I was fated to die. The trial hasn't started yet, so we don't know whether she'll be convicted yet. But the husband was stabbed in the waist and chest at their home. and <laughs> In the um, waist. All right. And John, one of John the, Wayne Bobber. And one of the... <laughs> <laughs> and one of the couple's four daughters witnessed the murder <laughs> and told the police. So let's see how that gone goes. I like the balls on that woman. <laughs> uh, but if her husband was indeed stabbed in the waist, yeah. uh, I imagine the husband, she probably has the balls <laughs> in her bucket of husband. Oh, my goodness. Poor Pong Sang Hip or whatever his name was. Good boy. <laughs> Well, he's now he's still alive through her. Oh yeah, true. Nothing Proclaiming to feel sorry for only there. only coming back to say she is innocent. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about feeling sorry for people, I think one of my worst nightmares is probably getting kidney stones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as part of an exhibition curated by an arts charity outside in in Sotheby's, Simon Lobogit. Uh, presented his work Kidney Stonehenge brackets a monument to truth this was a tiny model of Stonehenge constructed by Lebogget out of his own kidney stones he had collected them by urinating through a tea strainer after ultrasound treatment for the condition and then used them to make the artwork now I have to say there's a picture of this Stonehenge there's one proper Stonehenge standing stones the rest like sand and the rest of them are just like little bits and pieces but I can't quite explain this, but I think it's of interest. As soon as I saw a picture of these kidney stones, I immediately knew they were something horrible. Oh, do you know what I mean? I think kidney stones do look really well, vile. Not really. I mean, just sort of objectively, they don't. They okay. could be anything. It just looks a little bit like someone's made a tiny version of Stonehenge. It could even be like maybe like the world record for the tiniest Stonehenge made out of actual stone or something. But somehow knowing it's from a kidney. There is something about seeing kidney stones which is just so unbelievably unpleasant. I shall show you. Oh, yeah, there is something horrible about that. I mean, yeah, kidney stone is 100% a nightmare. I, I don't want one ever, ever. But it's interesting that he made Stonehenge about it. But I did think that maybe this was a juncture for us to discuss our own experience of visiting some ancient stones. Oh, yeah. I think it's have kidney stones. I was like, I haven't had any. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, hopefully them. not. No. Um, so for Siobhan's birthday, we went to Guildford. Yay. Uh, which was a, a surprise. Yeah, I must say. <laughs> of measurable I, proportions. Oh, of course. You made a little lovely booklet and it said, we're going to Guildford. And I was like, what the fuck? But... On upon opening it, it made perfect sense because we didn't actually go to Guildford first. We went to Godalming. Yes, and there is a Druid stone circle. Mm-hmm. It's not ancient, ancient. It's uh, I think revival, it's dru- Druid think. revival, but well, it, it is, is massive. I don't know how uh, anyone got it there. And uh, we did mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> walked up a hill. Yeah. And we got and down very a lost on the other side. And then we eventually, at this point, extremely. Uh, affected <laughs> managed to find the stone circle managed to eventually in the rain i think it felt like we'd been walking about six hours at this point um when and we hadn't even found the stone circle yet i remember we were like we don't know where the car is i can't remember how we got here <laughs> we it's so fine lost. it's so fine everything's gonna be fine in total it was a three-hour journey there and back so at this point it had only been about an hour felt like a long it felt time. like a long time dave um 
touched a stone, hummed into it and saw Jesus and then claimed that he didn't have any effects of the mushrooms. <laughs> like, I wasn't even that high. I didn't have any effects. No, I had not know why. Those mushrooms didn't affect me at all. In one stone, he saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. In then, another stone, he saw some pigs. <laughs> well, yeah, no. So I saw... The middle uh, stone was very Celtic. That's why he kept saying, this is very Celtic. Well, I so so it, I found... <laughs> I found that if, if I put my hand on the stones and hummed through my arm into the stone... Because that's what with normal, your eyes shut. With your eyes shut, of course. That's what normal human beings might do in said situation. The only um, person that I've ever met that I think is a druid told us how he hummed into a stone at Stonehenge. That's true, and he so, hummed into people as well to yeah. make them better. And so, if you if you're at the druid stone, do as the only druid who you've ever met tells you. And I'll tell you this as well, little yeah. tidbit on a serious point: uh-huh. if you're feeling a bit stressed, ha- shut your eyes and hum into your spine. It is a goodie. It, it really goodie. relaxes you. It's nice. I did it you by the beach. Look, you, you will just sound like, like a, a lunatic. Well, I did, if you do it by the beach, you could probably get away with just sounding like a ship's horn. Yeah. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you don't have to do it loud either. You, uh, as long as there's not someone quite close. Sometimes you just can't really help how it comes out. <laughs> but do it deep and beefy and then it sounds like a ship in the distance. If you're at the beach. If you're in the middle of a city, it's just kind of weird. But no, if you hum into these druid stones, one of them's got Jesus in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But Jesus is sort of made of rainbows as well, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw Jesus. Weird he, I, he sort of winked at me, I think. And then, uh, and then there was these two big hands that went together, like being like praying. Like praying. And so then the other one had a big like Jack the Green, Jack in the Green face. Is and that the was, one you were going? That was very Celtic. It was very Celtic. There was loads very of patterns. Celtic. There was loads of like old ancient like Irish art stuff mm, that mm. sort of gaelic art yeah. that was going all all around the place that was rainbows as well yeah. and then one of them just one of them had something that i can't remember pigs no 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 no, pigs. no no there was another one that had something that i cannot remember oh i don't remember it and either. i don't know if it'll ever come back but i feel like they were all very sort of like superficially spiritual things and then there was one that just had a load of pigs <laughs> in it. but then <laughs> uh synchronicity we then found a little toy pig on our walk back to the car oh, fucking did that as well. fucked us up that fucked us up <laughs> Big time. Yeah, we still um, got that pig. It's on our mantel piece. Yeah, it's got no ears. It's really fucked up. It's called Kong. I don't yeah. know anything more else about it. But then worse still, we yeah. then had to go and check into our hotel. And keeping in mind, we don't often stay in nice places. We're not people that stay in nice places. No. Or we... go to nice places, really. No. Oh, oh, first of all, actually, before I say that, when we were at this stone circle, and I'm still not sure whether this person was real or not, someone on a horse appeared and chased us off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They were real. Um, I don't think they chased us off, but I think we felt very self-aware. I don't know. She started like circling the stone circle on her horse. Well, maybe she was doing a magic trick with with the with the horse, a druid mm, horse. I, I think maybe. Have you Je- ever met a druid horse? Maybe Jesus sent her. I think Jesus sent her. I don't think we were chased off, but I think uh, on mushrooms, Dave and Siobhan thought we were definitely being attacked by the horse and that lady and then a helicopter came out and i'm sure the horse sent it so it was very dramatic after that also and it's really hard to describe but this hill looks tiny from one side the side where the pub is as soon as you cross it it's really steep and huge and leads out to this field massive expanse of uh, greenery and as soon as you're there you think holy fuck we're in the middle of nowhere i don't know how we're ever going to get back uh, on the way back, it did feel like we were going to be forever. And then just as you get over the hill, you realise you're basically at the pub and <laughs> it, you didn't climb a mountain, no. even though for I, those three hours, it really felt like we I were lost up a mountain. A hill. There was one point where you were laughing so hard that so much was coming out of your face that you had to get a sanitary towel out. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't have any tissues. Didn't have any tissues. Just a dab, a little <laughs> bit of the goo that was coming out. <laughs> it barely did anything. I could not breathe and at it all. It was a very strange moment. We were just it, properly just well, in the middle of like the countryside on a path. And weeping. Siobhan was dabbing her face with well, a sanitary towel. It was because you were talking about um, your, da- your, dad, <laughs> oh, yeah. your dad's method of when you got lost, he would say to you, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, kids, you don't normally do this, but if you're lost... Find the traffic. Find the traffic. Run at the traffic. Boys, and find the traffic. Every time you kept coming up with directions and being wrong, you were just crying with laughter, screaming at me, find the traffic. And it was just getting so silly. That or you were finding logs that you were proclaiming were Druid's logs. Well, and they were, and we were following them home. And actually it did work. So mm. I think the Druids had really left know. logs. <laughs> That told us where to go. But again, some of this might have been real and some of it might... I'm perfectly happy to accept that it was all made up, really. Uh-huh. But anyway, then we had to go and check into what for us was, and it's probably one of the poshest hotels we've ever it was stayed. Def- it was really fancy and it had people, like families that had children wearing suits coming out of it when we p- got there and it was just very intimidating. Um, so we, I thought I was alright. You were not alright at I was, that point. I knew I was not alright. Uh, but I thought I was going to be able to handle it and then we walked in and we literally could not have looked more like two ravers like you know when you used to get a train to work and sometimes there was people that were still left over from the night before i say so like like it doesn't happen now you know you're on a train and everyone's normal and then there's just one person with big eyes yeah. who's still sort of dancing yeah. and giggling to themselves that was when, us but in a really posh when, hotel when we walked up to it there was a woman that walked up to us asking what we wanted and we were like oh we're here to check in she obviously didn't really think that that was the truth as we walked away you said the toilets are for customers only <laughs> which I do think might have been it would be perfect like autobiography title because <laughs> we definitely didn't look like we belonged in that place and then this man, Nor did we. this man just wanted to tell us about every aspect of the hotel and I was desperately trying not to just crack up laughing I couldn't and we would and then the more we you were just useless <laughs> at this point and I, I, I was sort of going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh and mm-hmm. I was bleeding from my hands because I had a fight with some barbed wire <laughs> which in the midst of being on mushrooms I decided I'd had a death match and I looked like an intimidating wrestler so this man just didn't want to fuck with me but then equally I couldn't I couldn't speak to him. I couldn't even look at him. And he was desperately trying to tell us when breakfast was and there's a 24-hour exit into the hotel. And we were like, please just leave us. I need to get to the hotel before I laugh at your face. (laughs) Yeah, we were not in a place for this. Yeah, that was good fun. It was good fun. Do you know where loads of people are probably seeing delusional Jesuses? (laughs) Norfolk. (laughs) I'm particularly fond of my story this week because... Da, 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 da. It is another part to the Orlando's oh, uh, saga that continues, and I must say this might be my favourite continuation of it. Uh, first of all, the story is under local government as part of the uh, EDP, um, so I like that the ongoing it's restaurant political. saga is political in Norfolk. Orlando's Earl and Road restaurant starts to deliver. Um, the owner of a controversial restaurant, just to clear it up, just in case no one's been listening to this so far, Orlando's is a B&B in Norfolk um, and it has been accused of being a restaurant because it is, but he has not been licensed effectively for being a restaurant and the council can't seem to find any evidence that he is a restaurant, even though one of the EDP has been there and ordered food in the past. And undercover. Ki- undercover. And that's just causing up all kinds of stink. Uh, side note, Orlando Williams is also my old geography teacher, so <laughs> I have an invested interest in this. Um, I think it's vested interest, but yeah, I suppose in Norfolk maybe it's invested. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Norfolk don't know phrases, we just say them. Uh, The owner of a controversial restaurant has been accused of making a mockery of the law after starting to use delivery services for its food, even though I still reckon it ain't a a restaurant. Orlando's is a and b so it's allowed to serve food to its guests, but it's enraging neighbours after delivery scooters started turning up, and listings for Orlando's Sakura have appeared on delivery apps Uber Eats and Deliveroo, (laughs) with a reporter from this newspaper, oh, they're doing the undercovers again, um, was told the restaurant would be taking orders from 5pm the night before. Orlando Williams consistently denies running a Japanese restaurant from his suburban home since reports of guests visiting as diners began in 2019. It used to only offer Japanese res- uh, cuisine, but now you can get some Chef Williams specials, <laughs> including peri-peri chicken, fried chicken wings and curry. For all you that thought Japanese food was a bit out there in Norfolk, I'm sure you do. There's nothing like being a speciality chef, is there. Oh yeah. <laughs> what food do you specialise in? Just all food. You want curry, you want peri peri, I'll do a bit of everything. You want Japanese. <laughs> uh, do your baked potato if you want. <laughs> uh, the neighbours are upset. I don't really want to go to the neighbours because they're all boring, but they're Boo, all concerned. They're all concerned and they're, oh all this is doing my mental health in. I'm a taxpayer, Laura Barden. You know what they need to get? Yada, yada, yada. An emotional snake. Yeah. <laughs> get yourself a snake and leave Orlando's out of it. <laughs> Um, but she has emailed the council and they said they're going to start an investigation because she's upset the whole street just smells of fish now. <laughs> Why? I don't know. He's, he does, not, he's, made, he's, he's doing peri-peri chicken. He does sushi as well, Denny. He okay, does sushi, right. Denny. Um, what she has said is, he's also put up colourful flags in the back garden. <laughs> we thought he was just taking up maypole dancing, but that's just <laughs> stayed there, probably to hide the piles of rubbish in his back garden. Conspiracy. Um, it's having a huge impact on my health, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Mr. Williams has been involved in a battle over the restaurant's existence ever since opening, but the council closed its previous investigation in 2020, saying there was no definitive evidence of a restaurant being run at the site. But he has constantly advertised the restaurant <laughs> and has since served diners at the site. Despite this, the council are not saying that they would take any further action because unless it was causing anyone harm, which is why the neighbour's trying to really ham up their uh, oh, mental health difficulty. Yeah, yeah. She's very upset about it. She also noticed that there have been an issue with overbooking. Numbers of people just roaming the streets after they weren't given a room <laughs> when visiting the city to see Tom Jones last month. Yeah, <laughs> cool, good. What? I don't know. <laughs> How did they know they were there to see Tom Jones? What? I don't know. She's just adding that in, <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. Mr. Williams had uh, made comments. He said, I have no idea what these neighbours are talking about and said the picture of the delivery moped outside proves nothing, even though he's on Deliveroo <laughs> and Uber Eats. He said, I don't know what they're talking about. I haven't got a clue why the moped was outside. Maybe that was delivering to someone. There is no restaurant here. If someone has a problem with me, they should come to my door and tell me. I don't know how they've got this idea that I'm running a restaurant in my house. It's crazy. <laughs> You're on Joe Liveroo and Just Eat, mate. I love you so much, Orlando Williams. Do you think... So I love him too. I'm so glad that he's, that he's, do, he's been doing this now for... How many years have we Since been doing this Since 2019 he has, yeah. So even longer than that. And do you think he's paying someone off? I d- because, Maybe. Because there is a, cert- there is a, a certain sort of blasé feel. Because, I mean, not that it's that important. It's not that big yeah. a deal. But he could get... It's obviously his business. He could get shut down. Yeah. And and that, obviously, he doesn't want that. But he seems to be able to be so blasé and so... Uh, like saying, uh, yeah. being on Deliveroo and then being like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this is the most blasé I've ever fucking seen it. Like, I don't know... 
I know he's been a bit like dismissive in the past, but now it's like, I don't know why you think I'm running a restaurant or a delivery service, even though I'm on delivery. But <laughs> that's why I'm bet. So it's so, it's so blatant. It's so blatant that do you think he's paying someone off Maybe is there is. is there a like what's what's uh what's norfolk council like for being paid off is it a bit uh dodgy i reckon they must be dodgy i don't know I've, i don't think i've ever had any dealings with the council as such but i just the just the police <laughs> just the police <laughs> <laughs> my mum used to feed them she was a chef at norwich county hall once but that's that's my only dealings uh with with the council and did they used to give her a little bit of extra money so she'd put a bit of extra cheese in their sandwich or? uh oh i don't know they definitely used to let her bring spares home so maybe oh, maybe something did she bribe wrong. them Maybe. Gosh, corrupt council. That'll be the next one. But until then... You heard oh, it here first. I mean, EDP, get on this corrupt council. Or don't... Undercover, get undercover. Or- Orlando, <laughs> this is just my favourite. I cannot wait for him to just continue doing this forever and ever and ever and never, ever get found out. Never go back to being a geography teacher. <laughs> I don't think he can. I don't think he can. <laughs> If the council got anything to do, well, actually, if the council got anything to do, it'd be a headmaster. Well, he presumably could just pay him off, and yeah, yeah exactly. before you know it, he could be a professor. He'll come back teaching something else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've always been into basketball. When he was teaching geography, did he used to actually teach you English, but claim that it was geography? <laughs> so he keeps, I don't know why you keep telling me this is English. This is clearly geography. I don't remember him being a particularly good geography teacher, so maybe. <laughs> then again, I'm sure we weren't really taught. Uh, much geography in Norfolk. Why did why need to? It's a ve- it's almost an ironic job to have, isn't it? Really, <laughs> Te- teaching geography to a b- bunch of people that are not going to leave. It's true, <laughs> Mr. Orlando Williams is going to go on to do Japanese restaurant. And I remember I, the only teachers that I remember at school, uh, my geography the other geography teacher was called Mr. Haji Giorgio, which oh, is a lovely oh, Norfolk is name. A nice Norfolk name. <laughs> Do they just sort of teach you about Bungie and like? <laughs> I've never actually like, been to Bungie. Whizbeach. I, I mean, I've never been to Whizbeach. Hilariously. <laughs> no, but that's why you need to be taught about them by geography. And we really school. weren't. We weren't even encouraged to go anywhere. Honestly, I, there's bits of Norfolk I've never been. If you were from East Norfolk, you never went anywhere else. If you're from North Norfolk, you never went anywhere else. I think the important thing that we're, I'm trying to make here is that you need to leave Norfolk generally. It's not about True. not seeing all of Norfolk. <laughs> True. You missed my point. We've somewhat. left Norfolk now. That's all right. We're we back. haven't. I was never there. <laughs> you might have seen me it's there, but I was never there. I, I don't was... know why you think I was there. I was never there. <laughs> I was some of your types there. Right. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. You know, alternatives. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, gothics. in a nice way. Gothics. Yeah. There were some gothics and grunges and townies. You weren't a townie. Are you a townie? No. Okay. Let's play a song and end this Norfolk debacle. Please do. This band is called The Rubs, and this song is called I Don't Want to Wait. They're from Chicago. They're probably wondering what the fuck this accent's about, but, you know, come to Norfolk. You know something, Javon, just quickly. We do have quite a lot of international listeners. If... (laughs) Particularly if they missed the first ever episode where we actually explain what Norfolk News was. Yeah, they might be a bit For the last at least at least 50, if not possibly 60 episodes, yeah. we've just gone into that like it was a perfectly normal thing that that's everyone very, should understand. That's very true, Imagine if you w- happen to be from, let's just say, Chicago. Yeah. You tune in and you think, oh, these two, they're going to talk about, they're going to talk about DIY punk. I like DIY punk. Oh, oh no. what the fuck is going on now? <laughs> Now she's talking in a funny accent about a geography teacher running a restaurant. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I'd just I don't like know to either. make an apology to those people that have been confused by this section of the podcast <laughs> for the last 61 episodes. Because all the others make loads of sense <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, yes, The Rubs with I Don't Want to Wait. You're from Chicago. It's from the album Dust out now on Hozak Records. So this is The Rubs with I Don't Want to Wait. 
Welcome back to the Breakfast Punks podcast. We're now going to move on to the main section of this episode, uh, which is going to be a bit of a mixed bag. A hodgity-podgity. You might just have to bear with us. Hopefully it will all make sense in the end. Yeah, I should think it will. Um, I think I would like to go back. So, we, yeah, we, we're talking... Well, what are we talking about? What are we talking Let's, about? <laughs> what, <laughs> I'm going to start yeah. by going back to last take. week's uh, last episode, not last week, because yeah. it's a fortnightly podcast. Okay. Last fortnight's episode, uh-huh. uh, which was our live episode from MPF. Um, if you've listened to it, you'll know that we were talking about embarrassing music. Uh-huh. But we didn't really get very far with talking about embarrassing because music. Because of the embarrassment in for, general. Because of, so we ended up just being embarrassed talking about embarrassment. Yeah. Which I think was quite metamodern of us. Yeah. I think we should pat ourselves uh, which, on the back. <laughs> we definitely planned yeah. not. <laughs> well, but ironically, we did plan lots of things. Yeah. Much of which we didn't end up talking about. No, of course And uh, one of the things that I had planned, uh, I was planning, uh, because I... Because I kind of, for shits and giggles, because I thought it would be quite funny at a punk festival to talk quite a lot about the band Blind Melon. Yeah. <laughs> because I thought that was fun. <laughs> and I thought it would interest. This is maybe the reason why nobody came to our podcast. <laughs> like, oh, God, Dave's <laughs> going to go on a rant about Blind Melon again. Um, Sorry, it might have been leaked. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I had prepared was about the a movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago mm. about Blind Melon, or more specifically about Blind Melon singer Shannon Hoon. The movie is called All I Can Say. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's a beautiful um, Just to give you a very quick overview, Blind Melon were an incredible band yeah. um, who no one listening to this podcast will probably like. But I loved and them. I feel like um, prior to you telling me just how much you loved them and, and playing them to me more in their entirety, there's just that one song. Well, they, I think everyone considered that maybe they just had that one song. Like that they was, were a bit of a one hit wonder. Yeah, and in, some people found it an annoying song and some people quite liked it. I mean, if you find it an annoying song, you've got no soul. But yeah, no, anyway. of course, of course, of course. <laughs> but I think maybe amongst a punk... Uh, a punk crowd. Uh, absolutely. I don't know how they but, you know, come it. on, guys. We all got into punk somehow. Yeah. My journey started, it didn't quite start. It started with Ugly Kid Joe, probably, but it, uh, but Blind it Melon, went through Terrorvision. It went through Wasp. No, Blind hold Melon. off. Wasp and then Blind Melon <laughs> and then Terrorvision. I think that's probably more or less a journey that I went on. Um, <laughs> with Big Fun in there for shit's Big and Fun was early. That doesn't count. That's yeah. not part of my journey. <laughs> <laughs> that's not part. Of, well, it's part of your personal journey. <laughs> but definitely part of my personal <laughs> journey. A huge part of my personal <laughs> journey. Um, your big your big fun through and through <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so Blind Melon are remembered as a bit of a one hit wonder but they mm. did release they only released two albums because Shannon Hoon died very young I think he was 28 29 he didn't even get to fall in with the 27 crowd so yeah, he's not even it. not even remembered in that context no. um, and he's not really remembered very much at all apart from in fairness Blind Melon are one of those bands who do have really obsessive fans so they okay. still have they've they've kind of reformed with other singers and they've done various different tributes to him and things like that would you say it's because there's nothing like them I, and nothing like him i think it's I, so i don't know exactly how i would describe them they do sound extremely of their time. Their first album came out in 1992, and it's very much sounds just like rock from 1992. Yeah. But I would say that, A, and this is where, you know, the punks are really going to get behind me on this one. Yeah. They had a kind of, like, hippie feel <laughs> to them. Oh, they yeah. They were sort of definitely I mean, more more in their kind of dress and attitude. Yeah, I think I think Polyphonic Spree wishes in their outfits sort of thing. Oh, that's a... I'd never put those two in the same sentence. No, but no, yes, no, no, of yeah, course. Nothing so. similar musically, yeah. but, like, that kind of idea of... They had that white flouncy linen on yeah. that just made them look like they lived outside and had a happy life. Yeah. 
Or um, lived in well, a commune. They yeah, had a commune look about them. They had a commune look about them. And they did, they did actually live in a big house together for a long time. But they kind of have like a sort of grungy, rocky feel. They were kind of pre-grunge, though, in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and But he sort of sings a little bit like... And no one's going to agree with me, but there's something about his voice that reminds me a bit almost of Axl Rose or something, which is a really... I don't even like using that as because he's, he's got so much more soul and it's so completely different. But he has a quite an unusual voice yeah, for the style the of ba- music. Yeah, in the back of the jaw, kind yeah. of that area that I can't really describe. No, but right like in the that back kind of the jaw. Right in the back of the jaw. <laughs> but that kind of like it's not strained, and and Shannon Hoon does it far more tunefully than Axl Rose. But that kind of like yeah. high pitched, weird at the back of your throat. There's sound. not many people. There's not many people. Yeah, there's not many that sound like him. Yeah, no, I could, I could. Agree and in though. fairness, probably in today's minds, there's not many people that would want to sound like him. Probably if you <laughs> opened your mouth and that came out, you wouldn't think to yourself, "I'm going to become a singer of a band." <laughs> but you know, in the '90s, you could. Um, but he was the and the special thing about this band, he was an absurdly talented human being who wrote, I believe, some of the most beautiful songs ever written. And more importantly, even if you don't like their music, their lyrics are absolutely like untouchable. Stunning. But their first album was really important to me because it was a really, really early album that I got. And uh, and I still love it. And I don't think that if you've never listened to it or if you only know No Rain and you put it on now, there's no fucking way. You're just going to think, what the fuck are you talking mm. about? No way. I think the second album, less so. The second okay. album, they stretch their wings a bit. So the first album is kind of like acoustic-y, hippie-y. It all sounds a bit like No Rain. But on the second album... they Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favourite albums. Yeah, so I'm not yeah. bad about it. I'm just <laughs> saying to the to someone who's never heard them before, yeah. I think that would be hard, harder to except but the second album's got a lot more like interesting stuff going on and he was really going through some stuff in his life on the second album and the li- honestly the lyrics on the second album are like just some of the finest poetry ever written in did my opinion. he i'm trying to remember his story i know he had a child kind of come upon him pretty quickly and then did he have a religious yes um revi- not revival but a finding yeah finding kind of, religion. of yeah kind of and kind of also <clears throat> mental health was all over the place yeah and he was on drugs Addict. and he was and and blind melon had had this weird career where they'd had this massive hit and they yeah. they were massive i mean that for about, song was huge i mean about, i mean like you think it's huge now but i mean and i wasn't really there for the time either yeah. but when you watch this movie you realize just how big it was i it mean really it was like fucking mad hell yeah. so they had this kind of 6 months to a year where they were absolutely they went from being kind of like a support band yeah. to a bunch of you know they played loads of like big festivals and stuff they were yeah. like a band that was on their way up then they suddenly had this huge hit yeah and the album became huge and everything was massive and they played all of these things and then very quickly their star started to wane and so when they released this second album which again I think is untouchable they had kind of gone past it already got popularity yeah. and you know and it, it, again in the movie you watch them go from more or less playing like the biggest yeah. place in town that they could play to just sort of playing clubs really quickly do you think it's also because people just had their peak and it ran away at that time because it wasn't you know that kind of time yeah. grunge would have been breaking so loads of bands would have been getting loads of money there have yeah. been so many bands around maybe and then it moved on pretty quick afterwards maybe i think they were one of those bands that was pre-grunge but they got big because of grunge yeah because it all happened so quickly but then everything but then got they, big and they but fell then, out yeah maybe but then in a lot of ways they were i mean the second album's only like 95 so there's mm. no reason why the second album wouldn't have been the equivalent of their verses yeah the pearl jam second album you yeah. know it's it it definitely could have gone another way, but it just didn't. But it didn't. And probably because actually they were a bit weird. Yeah. And actually their second album had it was too interesting for like a mainstream public, in my opinion. Yeah. Um 
Anyhow, we weren't really going to just talk about Blind Melon, but the point is... <laughs> as is, much <clears throat> as you would love to. I'd love to. <laughs> um, but this film came out a couple of years ago, all I can say, and it is just a beautiful film, even if you don't have any interest in their music, although I think it will give you a more interest in their music because it gives it so much more background and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I think it t- talks a lot about the lyrics, which you don't necessarily notice. If you listen to No Rain, you don't think to yourself, oh, I should check out what that guy's saying. You just think, oh, well, this is just a throwaway little yeah, song. Yeah, but it? then you hear it like, I, I'm, I'm the same. Like, I was like, oh, it's that big song and it's quite sweet to sing along to and it's got a little whistle in it. And then when you sit and listen to those lyrics, you're like, that is perfect. Yeah. So beautiful. And then, yeah, that's only like a tiny, tiny bit of all the lyrics that he's capable of. So, yeah, the documentary is amazing. But more what I wanted to talk about, as much as... I'd love to just talk about Blind Melon, mm-hmm. was that um, the way in which this documentary was made was a real breath of fresh air, I think, in mm. uh, modern day. And actually, it compares quite favourably, weirdly enough, with another documentary that we talked about once before, which was the El Duce tapes. El Duce being the singer oh, of The Mentors, the yeah. shock rock band, uh, who, yeah, back on our Shock Rock episode, whenever that was, when we talked about Gigi Allen. And yeah, and Guar. Yeah. Which, again, everyone should go and watch that. Even if you think the mentors are awful and this man's an arsehole. You've got- I don't know if everyone should go and watch that or not. Uh, well, I think, oh, sorry, I think- sorry. I think strongly everyone should go and watch that. But-, but I think that the vast majority of people listening to this podcast, if they watch that, would would not get anything out of it because they wouldn't be able to get past the fact that... that <laughs> He's, he's such an unpleasant human. man, even though there was, yeah, the the film itself and, I, and him, his life in a lot of ways has well, so much to say about the human condition. Yeah, I was about to say, I think you if have you have g- any interest in finding out why people are assholes, even if you yeah, agree with, it's but, not, they're not a victim necessarily, but just go and find out about how someone turns out to be the way they are. Yeah, I mean, El Duce was entirely a victim. I think and, so, and- 100%. Uh, what I'm saying is like, uh, okay, like from a, I work in forensic mental health where it's people with criminal backgrounds and also mental health issues and it doesn't mean that people aren't psychopaths and it doesn't mean people aren't horrible human beings. There's always a, re- there's you, there's always a reason that people turn out the way they are and I think that El Duce one does a really good job of si- not sympathetically. No, I... Mm, Wait, but the, the point of the film It kind of just shows it straight it, up. There is nothing, there is no, there's no moral... Um, standing yeah the, because no of the nature of the way. way that it's made and that's really similar yeah. to this blind melon documentary in which all they do is take footage which has already been done and make more or less kind of like a collage yeah of um stuff to give you an idea of the story they put it in yeah. a certain order so that it makes some sort of sense yeah it's like kind of chronological but it's not film specific because it was all no shot footage at the time so the blind melon one is that shannon hoon used to film himself a lot he used to send videotapes back to like his wife and his Mm. kid and stuff he sort of kept this video diary Mm. which and one of the reasons why i find this quite interesting in the context of what i hope we're going to be able to talk about today is that in so many ways it's kind of like the earliest stage of somebody taking loads of selfies of themselves there is something very self-obsessed about the fact that uh, and I'm so glad that it exists, but the fact that in 2019 or whenever they made this film, they could go back and find literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of this guy who died, yeah. um, and they could put together this documentary of his inner inner thoughts and his inner life. But I wonder if the reason that this is... Because I know what you're saying, like, oh, it's the beginning of... But this is so pre it that when he made this, I guess it's the intent of when you make it. So he made it specifically for only a few people to see. 
And it's still his innermost thoughts and it's still very ego driven, but it's not made to, he didn't make it thinking someone will make a documentary out of this in years time oh, after no, I've killed course. myself. No, of course. Whereas now people who can put things straight on Instagram or take videos of themselves and make vlogs and stuff are making it to very much be specifically seen by the most amount of things possible, people possible. So I wonder if the intent, like, is it, is it more palatable to watch for any reason like that? Because he, he's, not, he's, not, he's not putting on a show for thousands of people he's well, putting on a show for probably you know his wife and kid i don't think he's thinking i'm, I'm sure those people will see this well or is I, he? there's I don't so much know. to pick apart what you just said there's so much to pick apart because a i think that actually if most people really sort of think about it we all know that most of the shit that we put on social media isn't really seen by anybody mm-hmm. so yeah. there's this weird um reality that you enter into whereby you're shoving yourself on into this abyss knowing Mm. full well that no one's really very interested at least if not not even seeing it at all yeah okay so and in that context i would argue that some of this stuff was definitely made to send home to his girlfriend and stuff but some of it was just him talking into the camera yeah well like a journal sort of kind of yeah kind of and in that context it wasn't no he didn't think he was going to be made into a documentary or maybe yeah. he did and you know i'm sure his ego probably was quite big he was the lead singer in a in a big band yeah. he'd had a big hit single and stuff so i mean maybe maybe it was just an ego driven thing but mm. um i don't know whether it's any different in a lot of ways yeah of course the context is completely different yeah you know but i suppose one of the things that i've thought about a little bit when i when i was thinking about talking about this on the podcast was mm. had he been alive in now times yeah would he have just been a really good tiktok person <laughs> would he have been reading poetry into a tiktok screen and probably playing songs yeah but I, but I don't know because he wasn't superficial in any way i mean his whole thing was kind of and i think you know there was definitely a bit of an act to this but his whole thing was very much kind of a back to the land kind of a person he didn't want any of the fame he didn't want any of the he was still using a camcorder, which in that time would have been fairly hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So yeah. I, I do think that the reality is, if he was in modern, if he'd started now and was modern day, the camcorder was pretty up to date technology yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So he probably would be using no, Instagram and TikTok. So I mean, that's a very depressing thought for me, anyway. For everybody sorry. else, that's, that's just fine. Shannon Hoon would have an iPhone. David. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Well, to so tell would you. and does everybody. Yeah. So I mean, and maybe maybe there's another point to make. Does that ruin? I mean, it probably doesn't to most people because they don't have the same hang-ups as I do. But, like, to me, I find it difficult to respect anybody who's, like, an artist because yeah. you can, you know that you just have to look at their Instagram account and it's like, oh, brilliant, 15 selfies. Yeah. So you're a prick. Yeah. <laughs> Selfie <laughs> equals shithead. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Um, so I don't know. In our self-obsessed world, would Shannon Hoon have fitted in more or would he have just wanted to die? And I think probably I mean, most... probably I think still if, would have ended the I, same way. Yeah, I mean, I think if you plucked... This, and this is another another issue here. If you plucked anybody out of any other time in history... Yeah. Uh, anybody, no matter what their personality... Beavis at style. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you pluck them out and just plonk them in here, most people, no matter how fucking vain or whatever they are, would look around and be like, what the fucking fuck hell. is going on? I mean, even... I remember um, even the journey it's been from when i was a teenager like a young teen in myspace existing to now and i remember when things like myspace existed if you took a photo of yourself people did it but it was shameful and people like all expressed that that was a shameful thing to do and then someone attached the word selfie to it and all of a sudden it's now okay and you can sell fucking equipment that helps you do it easier and it's just like i remember in the not too distant past this was 
universally proclaimed as a, as a shameful act and now it's just celebrated as just the normal thing and now it's just so normal well that that's because um, corporations have got an interest in making it normal yeah so you can normalize anything yeah, and I mean, I'm true. sure you could go back again, you could go back in history and you could look at all sorts of different fads and gadgets yeah. and yeah, silly yeah. things. You can make anything normal as long as you've got enough money to tell everyone it's normal yeah. because we'll all just follow follow a herd of people that are saying, yeah, it's perfectly normal to. Uh, yeah. It's perfectly normal to spend uh, six hours a day on just looking at a screen. When there's nothing to see. On and there. we'll actually um, value your, uh, you know, if you're putting things on Instagram, you will make sure people see it better if there's a face in it. Well, no, worse than that. The, but the, the, and the only way that you will ever find out if anybody is remotely interested in you is if they do it through this application. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so one of the things, I just read this book called Selfie, which is by Will Storr, which is really, really brilliant. And it talks a lot about how we gain personal value and how things change as a result of that. So as a result of us all only rewarding each other with likes, you mm. stop rewarding people in real life. Mm-hmm. So you no longer need to develop actual relationships with other people because you've got this sort of mock version of a relationship that you can do via Instagram or yeah. via Facebook. And there's something in- incredibly insidious. I mean, there's something... I think any hopefully anybody thinking of it in that way would see it as problematic. But there's something extremely insidious about that, mm-hmm. especially as it's being led by Nasty massive corporations, corporations yeah. who definitely don't have anyone's interest in heart apart no, from no. their own. They just want to keep throwing things at you to buy and yeah. But I mean, none, none, of, none of this is new. I mean, I yeah, think true. I feel like this. But there's another irony in our modern day. I think whereby we can all talk about this. I think most people can probably see that this is going on. Everyone knows about algorithms. Everyone knows. I think that social media yeah. companies are trying to like wind you up in order yeah. that you spend more time. Everybody knows that we're selling our time to them. We know yeah, all of these things still, and you don't have to go very far. There's yeah. a million Netflix documentaries made about yeah. it. And we can all talk about it in an intellectual way, but it doesn't seem to stop anybody from I yeah. I you know, I I really have pretty much removed myself entirely from from social media and and everything else and I think as a result of that now I'm the I'm the weirdo. Uh, and I mean, I definitely, and not being definitely, rude, but you kind of, by ratio, are I am the weird in, 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 no, in I modern, am. And the I modern feel world, it. isn't it? And just in, just in like, and this is all really boring, and it's all stuff that everybody, but you know, just literally walking around without a phone in front of you, and seeing and being walked into by people who are all on their phones, mm. like it's only when you actually stop, it's crazy, like it's mad. It's yeah. like we've, it is like we've. Yeah, I know. I know. I sound like an old man, but it's no, like but we've moved into this bizarre. And we don't even see the half of it because it's when you go on like public transport and stuff. Like I remember when I used to get on the tube in London, and literally people are just like, everyone's doing that. No one's looking at a book, or no one's just like staring into space because that would be weird. Everyone's just like staring at phones, and that can only be way worse now. That was like seven years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. But then, of course, as well, we can sit here and have this conversation. But you sometimes do that as well. Yeah, no, true. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, and even and I'm not, and I, that's not. I'm not getting at you. But I'm just saying it's true of everybody. Yeah, it's like it's we true. can all sit around and have these conversations. But um, actually, I don't know. Our brains are broken. Yeah, the world is. Yeah, not the world is broken. We are broken. We've broken up our lives a bit. I don't know. Uh, this, things. this is probably sorry. We've gone off topic completely. Yeah. But this is probably a really well-known thing. I don't really know. But this is this is like been scientifically proven. Yeah. We are stupider when our phones are in front of us than when we're not. 
Uh-huh. Somebody has done a test in which they've taken loads, and it's a big. It's you know, it really is like the, there's a lot of brain science has gone into this, which I could never a, explain a to you. Science. But um, but people much more intelligent than me have yeah. have, have, have studies done these, have been have, done have, by yeah. clever people. Um, <laughs> and if it's you do a basic test, yeah, and your phone is outside the room. You do better on it than if your phone is in front of you, and it's because of focus. It's because you lose yeah. focus on the um, on the thing. But even more, it's even true if the phone is not in sight, like in your bag, but in the same room, because obviously somewhere in your subconscious you're aware that it's there. Right. So we, you are literally stupider if your phone is in the same room as you. <laughs> And it's not got nothing to do. With, this is not like a conspiracy it's theory. A it's got to do. Thing, it's totally though, yeah. got to do with how our brains have just been attuned Fuck. to needing to know. Just just because, even though you don't realise it, you're constantly thinking. I wonder if there's something. Yeah, I wonder when I, wonder I connect. Wonder if there's a new that. notification, or yeah, I wonder yeah. if I've had a text. Or... And it's so immediately uh, gratifying. Not mm. gratifying, but like the response is received so immediately that yeah, you're just you only have to flick onto it and you'll see it. So you your brain's just thinking. Just quickly look, just quickly, even if you can't see it, it's fucked up. And of yeah, course, that, that gratification, it's which so we're short-term. all continuously looking for, yeah. isn't actually really happiness. No. So it's just... happiness is something completely separate from that. In fact, yeah. it's something you, the you, need, to you need to get rid of that in order to experience happiness. Yeah. I'm not saying people don't experience happiness yeah, in yeah. 2023, but you know, it's almost like a, it's a, yeah, it's a, your brain is doing something completely different. Yeah. That instant gratification thing of getting nudges from your phone. Yeah. That's not. And no one thinks it is, but that's not happiness. No. Getting, you know, getting 50 likes rather than 30 it's, it's likes so on your addic- selfie it's is like not the addic- happiness. It's played to addictiveness in people's brains. Well, it's gamification like, it's necessarily... of life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, And it's the same as everything, though. It's, and it's, I mean, again, I'm just going to sound really old, but it's like you go on a trip. Yeah. You have Google Maps open at all times, and so you're not really driving on the road. You're partly driving on the road, but you're partly playing a little computer game. Yeah, with you're just, Google Maps, and you're not even you're not using your brain. You're doing what you're being told because you've got Google Maps on loud, yeah. potentially, which is obviously really useful. No, and I, you, know, yeah. you know, and I do it, and everybody well, does it. I remember but. when I first started driving again to get to um, when we moved down to Hastings, and I got my job that was like a forty minute drive away. For ages, I was like, I'm never going to know the way. I'm never going to know the way because I am just blindly following what Google Maps is telling me to do. So I didn't feel like I was learning to drive or learning anything and it felt really horribly out of control I just thought if I never have my phone I'm not going to be able to get to work I just don't mm. know how to do it and I'd already driven to work about I don't know for four weeks at this point but it's, it's scary it's scary how quickly your brain can turn off anyhow yeah if Back Shannon to- Hume were alive today <laughs> yeah I'm sure he'd be using Google Maps I'm sure he would he'd be all over that what? I'm sure he'd be taking selfies uh, <laughs> another lovely thing about this documentary uh is that like you said, it's shot footage of the past. And whilst it's been collected by someone, um, it's not immediately obvious by who, and it's not about the person who put it together. Well, absolutely. So that's that's fundamentally where we're going with this yeah. discussion, really. So making a collage of different footage gives you a real, I believe, in this film, and in a lot of films like it, gives you a real feel of the human being. Yeah, it feels like very it, authentic and very... Yeah unedited even though someone has put it together and curated uh, it very cleverly and definitely it has been edited and it it, yeah cleverly tells a story but it tells a story without the need for for example talking heads yeah it doesn't have i think it literally has a couple of like lines come up on the screen every now and again just where you need to be told that yeah and the el duche one definitely does that as well but fundamentally yeah it's just like here's a load of stuff yeah and this stuff will give you a better insight into this person that you may or may not know. Yeah. And um, when the stuff is appropriate to a song, you'll hear the song. Yeah. 
Um, and then you'll and then go all the way up and there is an obvious end because he died of yeah. a heroin overdose, by the way. He didn't kill himself. We keep saying he killed himself, but he, who knows, really? But anyway, yeah, yeah, it, was yeah, a, yeah. it was a, an overdose. Um, but obviously there is a there is an end yes. point. And, and so it just presents it and there's nothing and there's nothing else. And what this made me think of is every single documentary that I've seen mm-hmm. – um, and I've noticed that this I don't I was going to say has started to but maybe I've just started reading a certain type of book um, but either either I've just started noticing it or it started to like get into books as well yeah and so and I think you'll all know what I'm talking about uh-huh. when documentaries are made now the documentary isn't about the subject the documentary is about the person making the documentary about the subject. And you know you're watching a documentary that's going to be like that if it starts with an empty chair and then someone and coming off mic. screen, off screen, onto screen from like whatever side, sitting down in the chair and going, are we ready? Yeah. And then going, I'm so-and-so. Or, or it's a collage of all their like, here's me. Here's me with someone else. There's lots of pictures with a talking over the top saying, here's me doing this in the past. This is what I used to do until. Yeah. And it's become about... Or, or sometimes it then. starts as a documentary and then at some point the director has to insert themselves into it. We've seen loads of documentaries yeah. where it's kind of like, here's a documentary about something, here's a load of stuff, and then suddenly... Then we were the, on the run. Then we suddenly realised that we were going to have to get involved and have a really heart-to-heart conversation with this person. Yeah. And then suddenly the director's on screen. And, and it, there's someone like videoing on the camcorder to make it look like it's all like not meant to be happening yeah. all of a sudden. Like, and oh my gosh. it is the documentary equivalent of a selfie. Uh-huh. it's yeah. like somebody making a documentary about a subject but not being able to not insert themselves yeah. and have their face on screen and it's something it, about the modern human condition yeah. whereby we cannot we cannot allow something else to be interesting without inserting ourselves into it even though your whole point as a documentary maker is to present a subject well, it, it isn't was. about you yeah it was <laughs> it's weird isn't it because never would documentary makers have made it about them like you've got people of the that have been doing it for years like i know for example david attenborough who when he makes those like programs about nature people like it because he has a nice voice but he doesn't make it about him it has you know some people do get it about him i think him a he's bit, got caught he's... up in the in the in the celebrity culture a little bit Maybe, so because it but... used to just be his voice and now suddenly it's not his voice now but... it's a documentary about david attenborough making yeah, a yeah yeah but i i think that's been a lot that's taken and that's only kicked off probably in the same period of time where yeah totally yeah yeah but it was never about that whereas yeah but there Isn't are. Isn't it mad how but, many people are making documentaries now that just cannot help it and be like, "I need to tell you how much money I've put into this and how yeah, much yeah, effort yeah. I've." Put oh, we into all this we and, almost got closed down, and, and then this is yeah, just yeah. my life's work, and I didn't know if it was going anywhere, if I even had a story. But here's the thing: there is there is sometimes good use for that. Yeah. So I'd give you a couple. Of, like, uh, and sorry, I was going to say it, there's a You're lot a of books now. <laughs> I'll give you a couple. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of books that have, I've read recently, which have been the same thing. Okay. They've been about something. So I read one, I won't name it because I'm bad-mouthing it, but I read one about cults. Okay. And quite an interesting subject. Yeah. We were all probably, you know, if you're into weird shit, you're probably interested in cults and yeah. stuff. And it was some unusual ones that I'd never heard about. But the book was fundamentally about this writer making, writing a book about cults. It was all about her... She was like, oh, we were dri- me and my husband were driving down the road and we noticed an advert for a cult sort of thing. And it was all, and it made me feel this way. And I was feeling this way throughout. And then I was going to go and interview this person and I was feeling this way about this. And it's like, I don't care. We're not, re- <laughs> we're not reading a book about you. We're reading a book about cults. That's yeah. why we bought the book. And I think that's fundamentally my biggest issue about this. Yeah. Is that if you want to watch a documentary about true crime. Yeah. 
the reason that you're interested in the documentary about true crime is because of whoever has done some fucked up shit. Yeah. Uh, we all have darkness in our souls and we would like to watch things about murderers and rapists yeah. and all this horrible shit. But I don't want to hear about someone else's and darkness, how they got there. No. I just want to watch the thing. But I think that there is something even more insidious about this, which is about how, as a as a culture, we aren't really... We don't really acknowledge our darkness. We don't really acknowledge the fact that when we're watching true crime, we're really interested in how Jeffrey Dahmer cut up bodies and yeah. um, drilled a hole in someone's head. Yeah, right. I just want to hear the you know, details. So in the in the past, you know, in the nineties, the noughties, and and probably before that as well. But I can only speak for as long as I've sort of been vaguely interested in true crime, and I'm not a huge fan, but. In the past, you just accepted that you were kind of like, I'm kind of a fucked up sort of person who's really interested in like John mm-hmm. Wayne Gacy and what he did to people. Yeah. Um, and then now you can't be, you can't be like, oh, I'm really interested in murderers because you'll be cancelled. So, but weirdly at this time, specifically the last couple of years, there's been this massive massive like movement towards everybody getting into true crime there's gotcha. loads of podcasts there's netflix loads of yeah netflix made their entire money off of it when they did that making a murderer and then everything beyond that and i do think that what happens is because we live in the society that has to lie to itself and say we haven't got any darkness and we're all perfect mm-hmm. and no mm-hmm. nobody ever thinks about anything bad yeah ever because if they did then god help us it would be all over social media and we wouldn't have any friends left yeah. so what happens is you you make these documentaries where you say, oh, we're, we're actually celebrating like the victims. We're talking to the victims' families. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, or we're, we're making this documentary about how hard it is for a, for a documentary maker to make a thing about yeah. somebody so fucked yeah, up yeah, as yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. And so we're all That's tricking true. ourselves into this thing whereby we're all fucked up. The person making the documentary is fucked up. The people watching the documentary are fucked up. We are human beings and... We're mad in so many fucking ways, every one of us. They're all different ways, but we're all fucking (laughs) mad. But we can't acknowledge the fact that we're mad. So therefore, what we do is we say, oh, yeah, you know, I like I like all the I like to support the victims of these. No one Mm. wants to support the fucking victims. No one's interested in the mother of some boy that got killed by John Wayne Gacy. No one gives a fuck about that. We all know that she's going to sob and we're all going to say, oh, yeah, your documentary would be better if she was in it sobbing. That's what they're really thinking. And so they're selfishly doing it. And so I think there is something a bit fucked up going on in our society whereby we're we're hiding our. And this goes back to our discussion about. Um, political correctness and about the El Duce thing I mm. think we kind of want to hide behind this idea that we're not really watching it for the reasons that we're watching it we're not really we reading it about it somehow. for the reasons that we that we really are and I think it just makes for um, a sort of fake version of life we've used this word a lot of times but yeah. it's like cosplaying. cosplaying it's like cosplaying being interested in fucked up shit what it kind of giving it a proviso first, not just being like, "Here is the fucked up shit," with no further explanation. Here it just is. It's like, well, we're oh. all, but we're all intelligent, thoughtful people. So if we sit down and watch a documentary about somebody doing fucked up shit, we should probably be able in our heads to be able to say the director of this is not saying, "Ah, it's brilliant how much yeah. fucked up shit this person yeah. did." We should probably be able to accept that. The documentary is being made in the spirit that we're watching. And actually, the guy who made the El Duce tapes didn't. Mm. I don't remember him trying to explain himself away. Well, I think he did do. Well, no, no, no. So the El Duce tapes was a bit weird because the guy that filmed it all is not yeah. the guy that made the film. 
Ah, uh, so the okay. guy that filmed the guy that filmed El Duce through all those years was someone who was trying to make a documentary about him at the time. Yes. not a very good one. The only one called and stuff. Yes, but, but that's what he was trying to do. So he, there was interview footage from the time. Yeah. So that one's a little bit more structured in comparison to the Shannon Hoon one. It's more structured, but it's still so the person actually making the film didn't need to insert themselves into it because True. someone else had sort of already inserted. But the person who put it. it all together didn't say. Even though I'm aware that this man's really, really terrible, I'm still putting this together. He just put it together. Yeah. Yeah. Because because we are all we thinking adults who yeah. should be able to work out that that's yeah. fine. Just Again, if you want to watch a movie about El Duce, you don't need it explained to you why he's in the wrong. <laughs> or if you do need that, then you're not going to give a fuck <laughs> because you're just there to watch him say loads of horrible shit. Exactly. It's not going to make any difference one way or the other. So treat us like adults. Yeah. Um, but here's something I would say as far as people inserting themselves into documentaries. There are reasons for it sometimes. And there are people that are very skilled at doing it. And the first person I think of is Louis Theroux. Yes. Now, there's a reason for Louis Theroux to be the subject of all of his films. And the reason for that is because if you go and see neo-Nazis on a mainstream BBC programme, mm-hmm. you kind of need somebody to wink at the camera. You kind of need yeah. somebody to to ask awkward questions deliberately to try and make... Because yeah. otherwise, it's perfectly possible that that could... If, if you made a Louis Theroux programme without Louis in it, it could be literally just like Nazism's amazing. Yeah, like here's here's a here's yeah. a here's a film all about how brilliant the KKK yeah. is. You know, so you need so you need you sometimes you need it, but you need to be nuanced enough and yeah. empathetic enough and thoughtful enough and fucking skillful enough yeah. as a documentary maker to not just be like, oh well, you know what it's this needs me. me. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, you're right. He's a really good example of it because even though he knows that he has quirks that people watch him for, same kind of like the David Attenborough thing. These people know that they are being watched mostly for the subject matter but people are kind of find them charming and find them intriguing but he does not make it about him it is very much he that is the only one that can do those things in those situations yeah john like ronson does it quite well yes as well. exactly but john yeah. ronson's another good one definitely um who can who can present themselves as these but it's because they are um thoughtful empathetic people who can ask skillful questions without taking a side that, i mean john ronson is a really good example because of all the people he's spoken to out and out terrorists in some of his books yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's just and, and been kind of like on phone best buddies with them for a little bit not best buddies but like been there kind of like wingman at certain events and he's been like this is really fucking awkward because this man if he even knew i was jewish we're fucked yeah um but i'm gonna maintain this conversation with him for the sake of getting truth and getting information I'm not making it about me yeah. but a little bit of me is in there to prove the wider point and to show and also to give these people sides. enough rope to hang themselves yes exactly. you don't need you can you can ask a racist a bunch of questions and let them make themselves look stupid yeah. without having to say at the end of it of course you know i'm not racist yeah exactly you know, of course you're not fucking racist you're exactly. making a program about do how you, racism's bad do you think it's because uh oh i'm gonna um, i'm gonna be maybe a bit mean here uh, it is easier now than it ever has been to make content and make things and put it out there. Do you think that there was a time when only the skillful could do it? Like your John Ronson, like your Louis Theroux. And now quite a lot of people have access to it, which is really good. And there's nothing wrong with that. And same could be said for any form of making content and sticking it on the internet. But 
now anyone can do it do you think that a lot of the people that aren't as skillful are getting through and therefore this is an easy way to make a documentary it's definitely the way to do it is to make it all like oh i'll put my personal impact on it because then it's personal and no it won't be the same as anyone else's except actually is well because because everyone's everyone's doing the same thing but um I don't know. Is, do you think because it's? I think not it's a. Hu- that's a I don't. Think, do. I, there's no answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I, don't I certainly know. don't have an answer to that. I mean, it's I suppose just just a, maybe it's a rhetorical question. It's just uh, putting it out there. I mean, a lot of it's got to do with money, hasn't it? So if mm. so, so the reason that Louis Theroux got to make that stuff in a pre-selfie culture was because somehow I don't know how he got money from the BBC or whatever yeah. to make his programs. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose in that context, no, I don't agree with that at all because you could say the same about music. It's like, mm. why is why is punk so good? Uh, when there's no money behind it and no one's really that interested in it. Okay. Well, it's because we just go and fucking do it ourselves. And in a lot of ways, I feel a little bit like what you're describing is could be seen as like people just doing it themselves, like making making content. And this is another yeah, grey area. True, true, but true. making content is a little bit similar to to just, yeah, making a song off your yeah. own back without any backing behind it. So I don't know if it's... I suppose, yeah, the cream probably rose to the top when there was less opportunity for the cream. When it wasn't a, when it wasn't a vat of cream and it was just a, a cup. A little scum on the top. So, yes. I mean, definitely no question whatsoever. Content creation, and we'll get to this, content creation has filled the world with shit. Yeah. And filled the world with good stuff, but the good stuff it gets lost amongst the shit. Yeah. And you can use music as a similar metaphor. I mean, everybody can make really professional sounding music yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. So therefore go on Bandcamp and try and find your favourite band. I mean, where do you start? Yeah. There's millions yeah. and millions and millions of bands. So how whereas I suppose even twenty years ago, but certainly like forty years ago, mm. there was only a handful of bands that you could have ever hoped mm-hmm. to have listened to. Mm. So you had to pick the best of them. And so yeah. you figured that they were probably the best ones around, but they probably weren't. No, there was probably bands in garage garages that were like ten times better than them that just yeah. never made it or whatever. So I don't really know. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. It was just it was just a thought, but maybe it is also just more telling of just how, like you say, how more driven towards throwing our ego into everything because it's encouraged by the world. It's encouraged by every social media app that we have. Yes, to, ego to is that. very important, and so with that yeah. in mind. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think a lot more so, yeah. <laughs> more and more so, is that the reason that we've got to the point that we've got to in documentary making and to some extent book writing, mm-hmm. book writing, I don't know if that's quite the right uh, intellectual term. I was going to say authoring, I, so yeah, I, think well, you're, I think you're better. <laughs> um, is the influence of Da-da. fucking podcasts. Oh, gosh. And I think that if anything has influenced this sort of movement towards documentaries which are more or less selfies and this need to explain every single fucking tiny iota of anything that jumps into your head Mm -hmm. is because of this massive massive amount of podcasts which are being made that truly anyone can sit that truly and of course it's great that anybody can do it um but uh, with that in mind... Yeah, I was going to say, we're not blind to it. We're also part of that. <laughs> uh, this is going to be the last episode of Breakfast Punks. <laughs> is that a forever or a hiatus, I'm asking, as the person who I you're don't doing know. this with? <laughs> um, I, I think I right. think that I just feel like it's about time that we finished it. Mm, uh, but I do right. think that uh, you never say never. And yeah. I think that it's perfectly possible that in two weeks' time we'll both get really itchy yeah and then we'll just come back having just bad mouth podcasting um, <laughs> anyone forever. Do bullshit. 
<laughs> Which it is, and that's fine. <laughs> um, I just think that I'm in a place where I don't really want to just add more. It doesn't matter. I know that making this podcast makes no difference to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. And, uh, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter whether we do it or we don't do it. I'm not saying that us stopping it is going to have any impact on this. No. But I don't feel that comfortable in being somebody who is just the problem more. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that's too serious of a way of looking at it. But this is a, it's a lot of work. We've done it for a really long time. We've really enjoyed it. And it came from a very less busy time, whereas now, especially you, you've got an awful lot going on nowadays. This yeah. is like a lot of work to do on top of a uni course and a, and, and a job. Yeah. And a business. And I just feel like I'm not really in a place where I actually want to be doing a podcast every two weeks at yeah. the moment. But that might change. Fine. And we'll see. And, you know, we might come back. We might do very occasional episodes. Mm-hmm. We might just throw one out every now and again. Yeah. We might come back with a different format. Um, obviously, we will be shutting down the Patreon. Yes, that's the next um, thing. Apologies, there was no April uh, episode, but this is why. There was not, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is why. And then, I don't know, we'll just play it by ear and see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was becoming, every two weeks, feeling like, what are we going to say? What are we going to talk about? And you don't want to be these people that just fill in the air with babble, which we have been for a long time. Yeah. But, yeah, know your place. Know when it's time to feel it out and end it for a bit. Yeah. Which is fine. We've done this before. It's kind of how this whole, whole thing came about, was because we shut down the cafe, and it took a little bit of thinking and a little bit of wheedling it out. And uh, it was the right thing to do. And then we started this. And now this has run its course. And maybe it's the right thing to do to leave it be for a bit. Yes. So So thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, We've purposefully (laughs) not made a big hoo-ha about this. uh, Because I don't really care about telling everyone about it. Apart from the people that actually listen to this podcast. That's very true. If you're listening to this now, you are one of those people. And thank Thank you you. so much for listening. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Keep your eyes peeled, I suppose. You never know. Yeah, maybe know. maybe we'll do something again in the future. We do have a couple more songs to play before we completely end this. So we certainly do, and I've <laughs> given myself another French-sounding name, although yeah. they are from Switzerland. But um, <coughs> I should have given these to you, really. This one is by a band called Revanche. Mm. It is called Dans la Guille. There's a U-E-U <laughs> there. I don't U-E-U. Know, what do you do with a U-E-U when you're saying it out loud? Well, gu- Dans gu- la Guelu. Um, <laughs> I bet they're literally head in hands going, what the fuck? It's from their new EP, which is called A Jamais. <laughs> it's out now Your on Primator Crew. I think that might be French, though. It's not. I wasn't trying is to be Swiss. Is it French? I'm not sure that was anything. Anyway, this is Revanche with Dan's Le Guil.
So welcome back and thank you for listening to this, the last episode of Breakfast Punks. The last for now, but let's just call it the last. Um, thank you so, so, so. Oh my God, I feel like this thank you section should be like a proper thank you this time for like... Oh, but we'll miss the so entire, many people. The entire... Uh, listenership that we've had and all the people well, that have we ever commented or no of course <laughs> but it does mean a lot it's been a really weird uh unexpected thing to have actually had people listen to it and talk to us about it and send us feedback and send us things that we think that we would find funny or that we would uh, should look out for the podcast or all the bands that have taken interest in sent us their music it's Something I didn't think would actually happen. I remember when we did that first episode and we were like, if no one listens to this, that's absolutely fine. And then, and it was during the pandemic, so we weren't getting to see people. And then I remember going to the first gigs when that all kind of came about. And people were just, I just, I don't know, I just didn't think anyone was even going to give a shit, let alone listen. Let alone then want to come up to us and talk about it, about things that I didn't even really remember in the episodes that people would be like oh my god this oh and and coming up to us showing us things that we they think we find funny because we may have mentioned it on an episode and it's just that uh attention that um i'm really yeah really appreciative of because and just didn't think it was going to happen and people are very very sweet and uh nice yes yes i haven't explained that well at no, all, no no but... no but no it's true and i mean genuinely genuinely thank you to anyone that's ever listened to this yeah because it is a weird little thing that we've done and there's nothing wrong with podcasts, really. No. I'm not really, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. We've got, kind of come to this weird conclusion, or maybe I, 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 I will take responsibility for this. I have come to this conclusion. But, you know, there's loads of other good shit out there. There's yeah. fucking 60 other episodes of this podcast that you probably haven't listened to. Go back and listen yeah. to them if you're going to miss us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, come and talk to us. Because there's people that we've like actually met or befriended or we're now acquaintances with throughout this entire thing. If you've got things that you think we'd be interested in, why don't we actually talk about it now? Rather than, you don't have to just send us messages. We can just actually engage on, on things about this. You don't have to have a podcast. Don't talk to me, I'm an introvert. No, Dave doesn't want to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me. Leave Dave out of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. just been a, it's been a lovely thing. And, and yeah, there are people that, I don't know, just people that have come along the way, people who have supported us yeah, vocally, to our face, to other people, written about us, we've been we were gonna reviews. We were going to call this episode So Long and Thanks for All the Shares, <sighs> but we weren't sure whether it would come across as bitter, but it wasn't supposed to be bitter, it was supposed <laughs> to be quite genuine, because actually, actually I think, know, there has been a lot of people that have th- used, uh, you know, yeah. we, it was supposed to be an ironic thing, because we were going to badmouth Obviously, as we always do, badmouth social media, but actually, I, fundamentally, and, social media is the only way we've ever really got true. any... any um, I think it would have looked petty coming after our failure last <laughs> week. Um, Which, by the way, we're not bitter about. It has we're nothing not bitter. to do, has no, no, nothing no, to do with not, that whatsoever. I don't know whether that episode came across as us not being bitter or how it came across, but we were not bitter. We were just tired. Yeah, tired <laughs> and thinking ourselves quite funny about our <laughs> failures. But yeah, no, it's just, I don't know, it's just been mad. I remember, I've talked about this before, but when Dave, when you first mentioned doing this, I was like, no fuck is going to listen to this. I don't even understand what a podcast is. Do we just talk? And have you ever listened to a podcast? I have listened to a few <laughs> other podcasts now. Prior to making this, I'd You've never, never listened, listened to one. To one no, I'd never listened to one. When you were like, we just talk and then people will listen to it. And I was like, you are fucking joking. <laughs> and then people will come up to us and be like, oh, it's like having you in the back of the car. Like, 
And I'm like, yeah, is that is that okay? Do you like that? They is that mean weird? the boot, like a corpse, yeah. like a corpse in the boot. It's like that they just shot up. and yeah. they're trying to work out where to get rid of the body. <laughs> we're done with you, and we're trying to get rid. But yeah, no, I just I just did not even think this was a thing that anyone was interested in. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just and we must have played weird. like over the court. We've played hundreds of bands. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Um, over I can't the, even all these do episodes. The so I suppose I mean no, no one's going to hear this. No. But th- so, so this is just this is like a fucking Oscars speech. This is I'm doing now exactly the thing that I was complaining about a few minutes. You ago. made it about you. But, thank, no. but no, 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 just like talking to no one. Thank yeah. you so much to all the bands that have let us play their songs. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, we found some amazing music through this podcast as well. Yeah. Um, and go actually, and support them all if you can. Even if you don't want to listen to the episodes, go back and look at all the bands that we listened to, uh, that we played rather, and yeah. and give them a listen. Uh, put you on the spot here, just very briefly. Do you have a favourite episode because of any of the content that we talked about? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's hard. Um, Jesus Christ. I mean, I think, I don't know that we've necessarily got better at doing it, but I've definitely got more comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. So the ones that I probably think are the best are the later episodes fair enough i think i and and a lot of them are like not the whole episode necessarily there's like certain bits where i think oh we really fell on found a good, stride we really there. got there uh, or we really made you know i wanted to make this point and sometimes i want to make points in these episodes and we just don't make <laughs> three them. hours I try, later the point i try and made. yeah it just doesn't it's clearly clearly <laughs> i've just stumbled over words for half an hour and then we've just gone to a song and more for um, you you all listen yeah <laughs> But a few times, but a few times we've hit things. But I suppose like the ones I'm most fond of might be the earliest ones. The um, even though pro- probably I mean I haven't gone back and listened to them, nor will I ever yeah, probably go back and oh, listen. Gosh, I dread. But I remember the Discordian one very fondly uh-huh. because I put so much work into it. That was the point where I think it was only about the fifth episode or something, yeah. and that was the point I where you nearly had a heart attack over that one. It had and because like you it was a point where it felt like I, it was just as we hit. It was just as we hit the point where we were like, do you know what? We're making a podcast and loads of people are listening to this. We better prepare something. What are we going to do? And and so we said, I said we should. I just read all these books about Discordianism, and I was like, we'll do it about that. And I'll uh, I'll have really fun. I'll be really. It'll be really fun doing all of this research, and then I literally I wrote I wrote like a novella. I think more or less. and so I don't know that it's necessarily a good episode, but I have quite fond memories well, of it. The other is, one... Well, I was about to say, that is one of my favourites, right. purely because on a selfish basis, um, there's loads of shit. Most of the things that we talk about on here is, is your uh, interest and your kind of fleeting, having found something, let's go find out about it. So I didn't know a thing about this. It's called mania, she was. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant being on the receiving end of someone who's so well-researched and manic. Um, I learned loads of stuff. So yeah, no, that Discordian one was one of my absolute favourites, even though I probably said nothing. I just listened to you tell me about Discordianism, mm. as did everyone else. <laughs> and I loved it. Brilliant. And I, I, I remember the jugglerism one. Very oh, oh, jugglerism was fun. And I, we had planned, maybe this is a very quick conversation we can have now, but we will leave you alone soon. The but we're never going to do this again, so we we yeah, got to get it, it all out. You, love, it all out. Yeah. Um, I would have probably done a second Juggalo episode. There was a yeah. documentary made about the jugglisms. Yeah, um, that um, <laughs> jugglisms is definitely a word was, that we've been using. I yeah, don't believe it's a real word that came out long after we did that episode. And I think it it yeah, I think we could have done another Juggalo episode. Uh, I definitely wanted to do an episode about trauma. Yeah. I'm sad that we didn't do an episode about trauma. That's true. But um, if that doesn't mean anything to you, go and watch some trauma movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, that might be it, actually. That was the only one that I really... I had that... In, from the start, I think from episode number two, I was like, we're going to do a trauma episode. <laughs> and we've got to number true. 61. we never did it. And we've never done it. I think it, it was that... Um, I think it was the... F- the background subconscious fear of not really doing it justice because it was yeah. films as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. how are we going to... 
unless you know what trauma is, how are we going to explain to someone how good trauma is? And then if you do know, why are you going to listen to well, an you... episode of us telling us telling yeah. you what our favourite trauma films are? Because you like to hear things that you already think. True. Because that's the modern world, Joel. True. Uh, anything well, that you would have liked to have done? Or what was like your favourite? Sorry. We... Oh, well, my favourite, and it, again, it's just selfishness because it's things that I did not know about and I got to find out about. Because that was the one thing that I really liked was excuses to go and look up stuff. Um, and it was Heaven's Gate. Oh, yeah. Just absolutely adored yeah, it. Yeah, that was a goodie. Um, the Uriel one, I've forgotten what they're... Uranus. Uranus? <laughs> yeah. No, Uranus. What was it called? Uranus. Uranus. The cult of Uranus. They weren't really a cult, but and they're still going and they're in San Diego and one day we'll visit. Mm-hmm. And that's just a lovely... Just anything that's kind of like UFO cult related. Turns out that's um, a really nice thing that I enjoy in life. And at um, no point did we pretend that we weren't interested in them because they were crazy fucking lunatics. In fact, that, nor did I mean, we, that makes nor me did, want to like Nor did we more. pretend with Heaven's Gate that we weren't just celebrating the fact that these people killed themselves by drinking Kool-Aid and it was funny. Oh, it's not a celebration, or is it funny? It but, is funny, but, but we didn't. what we didn't do is at the end say, oh, by the way, guys, I mean, you know, we're oh not, gosh, we're not celebrating today. suicide here. We just presume that you all realise that we're yeah. kind of thinking human beings. Yeah. we are all thinking human beings here but yeah just all the kind of like conspiracy stuff the cult stuff it's just been wonderful to like have an excuse to look into that which we didn't need an excuse but um it was a perfect excuse to do so i loved it well maybe if these things come to our brains at some point in the future there will be the occasional breakfast punks episode we can do them as specials knows so keep an eye out an ear out yeah and a leg out a leg out just Keep yourselves out. Yeah. Get it all out. Get, get everything out. <laughs> get it all out. We're going to get it all out with one final last song. This song is from a band called Prize Dink Camp. And the song is quite aptly called Nobody Cares. Because <laughs> nobody cares if we're gone. No, it's all good. Um, they're a band from Ghent in Belgium. And this is from the album Unity Sausage. That's a very lovely name. Um, available digitally. So we're going to leave you with them. The good old people from Belgium. And And have a lovely life. Have a lovely life, guys. Bye. Bye. Nobody cares that you're lost. They just want you out of here. Turn your back and go away. The world would be a better place. Thanks for all the fish.
So long and thanks for all the fish. Thank you.